This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. This baseball that I have in my hand, this is a kind of special baseball. This was used, this was one of the game balls in a major league game between the Atlanta Braves and the Montreal Expos in 1996. My daughter, Katie, and I were at that game and our seats were down the third baseline and a foul ball was hit and we were kind of right on the front row and this ended up in Katie's hand. And so I have saved this ball, kept it kind of protected in here for her for almost 20 years now. If you're a fan of baseball, if you're a baseball fan, you know what's happening right now. The World Series. Uh, Seems like, you know, even non-baseball fans kind of take an interest in baseball when this time of the year comes around, the World Series. Um, So when I read a story recently that I'm getting ready to share with you, it really struck a nerve with me, and just a minute, you'll know why. Uh, I'm just going to read the story that I read. Uh, It's about a guy named a businessman, Mike Herman, and he tells of his lifelong attempt to catch a baseball, a souvenir baseball at a professional game. A foul ball, a home run ball, or even a batting practice ball would do. Anything would do. He'd been going to games year after year after for 28 years, his whole life, adult life. One day, he was at a game and at batting practice for the St. Louis Cardinals. And he got to know this little boy that was also there, James, a little five-year-old boy who was also trying to get a ball. James was trying hard to pronounce the players' names as he politely asked them for a ball. And Herman describes the scene this way. This little boy was asking. He really wanted a ball. I could see it in his face. Before I knew it, my mission became getting a ball for James. And for about 20 minutes, I told him the names of the players who had a ball near the fence we stood behind. And the players turned and smiled as James tried to say their names and asked for the ball, but still no ball. Finally, after about 30 minutes, I told James he could have my ball if I caught one. Now, remember, I had been unsuccessful in catching a ball for almost 28 years, so that felt like a pretty safe promise. Now, I wouldn't be telling this story if you didn't already know what happened. Five minutes later, I caught a ball, and yes, I gave it to James. And then he asked this question. I wonder how often God waits to give us something until we're willing to give it away. That's what today's message is all about. In the short time that we have, uh, Pastor Steve and I are going to team up and we're going to share with you about how God's desire is to transform each of us from self-centered people that we are born as into fully devoted followers of Christ and be willing to live our life for him. And how he can do that by, re- by us remembering who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. 
not just once a month when we observe communion, as we're going to do later this morning, but remembering him every day and allowing him to change us. We heard from our Honduras team about every morning we had devotions and we focused on God. And, you know, I think if we learned anything there, it's the changes that are made within us when we start our days out that way. Psalms 51, 10 through 12 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. We're going to be teaching this morning from Romans 12. But before we do that, Pastor Steve is going to take us to the table right now to absorb, observe the Lord's Supper. Steve. We have a lot of people who are from out of town that are visitors and guests, and um, we want to invite you to come and, and uh, do communion with us too. Um, you don't have to be a partner here. As long as you know Jesus as your Savior, you're welcome to come and partake with us here. Um, we're going to take a minute and just... Um, uh, silent prayer and just um, remember what Jesus has done for us. Remember that um, in the past he died for us, he saved us from our sins, he's now um, at the right hand of the Father interceding for us every day and he's promised us that he's going to come back again. So that's how we need to remember Jesus as we take the uh, elements. And so um, let's go to God in um, in some silent prayer. Um, You know, if there's anything you need to um, express to God, any sin to be confessed, whatever you need to do, um, now's the time to go ahead and do that. I'll be reading from the scripture, and that says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you... My new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go to him in prayer now. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we can look at this table, we can look at the bread and know that that was a representation of your body that was broken for us. We um, also see the cup and just see how the, um, it represents your blood that... Um, was shed so that it cleanses us from all of our sins. We, uh, we just thank you. We use this time to remember what you've done for us personally. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we uh, had a baptism. And so it was, it was um, exciting for us to baptize, uh, baptize a new believer. And um, um, we have communion, um, and we had the missions trip to uh, Honduras. Those people spoke about that. Um, this is what the church is all about, um, changed lives. Romans 12 is a a good illustration of this. Um, Verses um, 1 and 2 are probably very familiar to most of us. And um, we're going to um, be looking at that um, this morning. Not only 1 and 2, but the whole chapter. And how the chapter um, reinforces um, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, the first century Christians, they knew what sacrifice was all about. Some of them lived in pagan countries where they had pagan sacrifices. Some of them lived in Israel where they would have 
there are sins forgiven by the shedding blood of bulls and cows and goats like that. So they knew what um, sacrifices were. The thing about a sacrifice is that when you sacrifice an animal, they die. Um, whereas here he's telling us to be living sacrifices. We're to be living sacrifices, ongoing sacrifices. And um, we do that. And that is um, basically done through our spiritual service of worship. And so every one of us here to this morning, we are living sacrifices. We've given up part of our lives to come here and to worship God. And that's what um, he's talking about when he talks about us being living sacrifices. He goes on in verse 2 to say, And do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The, um, <clears throat> it says not to be conformed to this world. You know, my, my natural mind, it's easy. I don't have to do anything to be conformed to this world. You know, my mind naturally goes in that direction. But now it tells us now that he, he wants us to be um, renewed. He wants us to renew our mind. The definition of this world, not to be conformed like this world, the definition is the society that man has built in order to make himself happy without God. <clears throat> but we're to be transformed. And the word transformed comes from the word metamorphosis. And we all know how a caterpillar spins a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. And, um, and that's um, the illustration of what we are to be like. We're to be, um, we're to be transformed. We're to be, you know, one time we were this, like the caterpillar. Now we're like this, the butterfly. The old man has passed away. The new man has come. Um, we do this by renewing our minds. That's how we do that, um, by reading God's Word, um, by prayer. When we read and pray, that, that draws us towards a, a transformed life. Bernie's going to come now, and he's going to teach us how that we can live a transformed life through our spiritual gifts. I want, you to, I want you to follow along with me as I read. I'm going to pick up in Romans chapter 12, verses 3, and I'm going to read through 8. And if you will, follow along with me. For by the... But verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, all the parts do not have the same function. And in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. In exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. Now, what, does this, what does this mean? First of all, none of us is better or more important than any one of us. We all have different ministries. We all have different gifts. Some of those ministries are behind the scenes. Some of them are sometimes up, at, up here on the stage or in front or public ministries, out front greeting, uh, those kinds of things. Um, every job, every ministry is, is important. We should all be humble in using our gifts, no matter what they are, but also use them to the very best of our ability. You know, one of the catchphrases that we have used around here uh, for years has been, whatever we do, 
we do with excellence. So no matter what our ministry is, what my ministry is, if it's, if it's parking cars in the parking lot, if it's cleaning the bathrooms, I do it the very best that I can. Verse 4 points out that we're all unique and we're all vital to the body. The human body has many parts, and each part is critical to the health of the body. The health and welfare of the body depends on the proper functioning of each part. Does that make sense? To keep us healthy, we all have to function the way we're, God intends us to. We are all diverse or different, but at the same time, we're all dependent on each other. You get that? We're different, but we depend on each other to make Nags Head Church, to make God's church here healthy. Here at Nags Head Church, we're blessed to have some great teachers, some great encouragers, leaders, um, ministry teams who gladly serve. And these are the people, these people are the heart and core of our church family. And these verses that I've just read, they don't mean to imply the, to be the entire uh, list of gifts, rather just a sampling of the very gift, various gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us once he indwells our body, but also to let us know that we're not to waste the giftedness that he gives us. We're, not to, we're here to use, and we're told to use the gifts that we've been given to serve the church with generosity, with diligence, and with a great attitude. You know, I have to confess, sometimes I have been here on a Sunday morning serving in whatever capacity without the right attitude. And when that happens, how does that make Don't you feel empty? I do. I feel empty. And I, I don't, I, I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell me then. I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to take over. So we should do this. We should serve with the right attitude. Um, the scripture says cheerfulness. And you know, we are to use what he gives us. You know, it makes me think about the parable of the talents. If you remember that, one day, at the end of that story, one day, what's going to happen? We all will have to account to God for what we did with the gifts that he gives us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that conversation to start out like this with me making excuses for what I didn't do. On the other side, I want it to start out this way. Well done, good and faithful servant. How about you? What you do today, tomorrow, what you do right now determines how that conversation will go. Steve now is going to come and he's going to teach us about how our relationship with each other should be. Steve. Verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Bernie just talked to us about spiritual gifts, and, and we use those spiritual gifts to serve each other here at church. And, um, and same, that same way, you know, we're to do it um, uh, without hypocrisy. Now, um, many of you last night probably saw a bunch of kids that look about like this. Um, we, um, 
We know that um, uh, hypocrisy, the definition of, of hypocrisy is wearing a mask. You know, and so basically what they're saying here is let your love be genuine. You know, con- you know love each other by serving them. Love each other by serving the Lord. <clears throat> it goes on to say to um, abhor evil, hate evil, cleave to what's good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope because Jesus is our blessed hope because he's returning soon for us. And, um, and also persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. And Paul goes on to tell us that we're to pray without ceasing. We're to have an attitude of prayer. Like when we hear a siren going down the road, hey, we can pray for those attendants in that, in that um, ambulance. Go into um, a situation. And we pray for the situation, the people involved in that, so that we can have an attitude of prayer. And that's what he's looking for us to have. Um, it goes on to say, contributing to the needs of the saints. When we do our communion service, we have a benevolence offering, and that offering goes to help the people within our church. And we use that um, for if somebody needs a little help paying their rent or uh, a food card from Food Line or something like that. And this month, we have chosen to take that money from that offering, and we're going to send it to the North Carolina Baptist men. They're still in South Carolina helping those people dig out after the flood. They provide meals, they clean up their houses, they clear out trees and things like that. And so that's where the offering will be going as you um, are able to contribute to that. And also it goes on to um, talk about practicing hospitality. Um, Bernie's going to come now and step this transformation up to another level. Verses 14, 15, and 16. Let's read those. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Okay. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. You got to be kidding. That surely goes against our human nature, doesn't it? So how how do we do that? How do we get to do that? Here's how. Only if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives can we do that. If we allow the Holy Spirit in and take control of us, then we've got that ability to bless someone who's persecute, who's being mean to you. You know, I tell my grandsons. Got three of them. One of them's three, one of them's five, one of them's 18 months. And sometimes the little three-year-old will come up and, and I do something persecution <laughs> to the five-year-old. And the five-year-old, Jake, he wants, you know what he wants to do. And, and we try to teach him. Josh just doesn't know any better. You've got to be patient and all those things. But it's against our nature. It's against our nature to do that. We have to resist the natural response to retaliate. But we can't do it on our own. But because we are, what, transformed, we don't act naturally, do we? If we're transformed, we don't act naturally, rather supernaturally, because it's God doing the act in there and in control. Um, verse 16 says, be in agreement with one another. 
Now, to be in agreement with one another doesn't necessarily mean that we've got to see alike on every single thing. It's on non-essential matters. Um, it's, it's not so much uniformity of mind but in agreement, but rather harmony of our relationships is what we're talking about here. I tried to think of an example, and we're back to baseball. Okay? Here's an example of of what this verse 16 is trying to say. I'm a Red Sox fan, Boston Red Sox baseball fan. I spent several years growing up in New England. Um, when I moved there, I'd always wanted my own baseball team, and, and we were right there, and and the, the games came on TV every day. Every game was, was on TV, and I followed them. Uh, I watched as many of the games as I could, and as a young boy, I was... 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. As a young boy, I learned that the Red Sox fans' biggest enemies are Yankees and the Yankee fans. And, you know, I'm really not fond of the Yankees today. I got to confess that. But, but you know what? If Steve, who Steve and I have been good friends for pushing 20 years... If Steve came to me and said, Bernie, I got a confession to make. I got to tell you, I'm a Yankee fan. (laughs) That wouldn't affect my core relationship with Steve. Now, it might cause me to question his judgment. (laughs) Just kidding. But you know what? It's just a game, right? It's nothing in the big picture of eternity. Does it matter? Okay, we might not be uh, agree on baseball, but our relationship would still be harmonious. We might kid each other and that kind. Of, okay, but we still have a harmonious relationship. How many times have we seen in the church people throwing bricks at each other over the color of the carpet or curtains or non-essential matters? We shouldn't do that. As a, as a family, we're all part of the same family. If you're a Christ follower, we're part of the same family. Okay? Our relationship should be harmonious. Got it? <clears throat> Steve now is going to come and talk a little more about our attitude towards those that sin against us. Verse 17 says, Never pay back evil to evil to anyone. Bernie just read in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and not curse. And that's, um, you know, the natural man says, hey, I want to get even with you. You know, I'm, uh, you know, when you least expect it, expect it, I'm going to, I'm going to be getting even with you. And um, now it tells us not to pay back evil for evil. And that's the transformed mind. That's the mind that is able to look beyond the circumstances and to, um, to go on. It says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Once again, verse 19 says never. So it said never pay back evil for evil. Now it says never take your own revenge. You know, a lot of times revenge is, you know, hey, it's, it's so satisfying, you know, to be able to get back at that person. But he's saying don't do that. You know, he says, um, instead, he says, um, uh, Leave room for the wrath of God. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20 starts with but. 
And so it's talking about vengeance, and it says, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And so here's, here's this guy who is your enemy. You know, he's saying hateful things to you. He's doing evil stuff against you. And, um, and yet here you are, you're feeding him. You know, and so what's interesting about that, when it talks about burning coals, you know, it could be that the burning coals um, is just the fact that his enemy is feeding him. All the guys he's said bad stuff about is now giving him something to drink and feeding him. There's two thoughts in that culture back um, in the first century. And that was the, that if a man had burning coals in a clay pot on his head, that was a sign of humility and repentance. And, there, and then a woman, if she looked out her window at dusk and saw uh, Rebecca's house, and it didn't have a flicker in there, didn't have the glow, didn't have a fire on, she would take burning coals, put it on her head, take it down there, and help her start her fire. And that's how they heat the um, house. That's how they would then um, have light, and that's how they would cook their food. And so um, in doing this, the implication here is not that we're going to be burning our enemy, but that we're providing heat and light in order to win him to the kingdom. <clears throat> The last verse of the chapter tells us not to be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we're back to that, that, um, that uh, conformed and transformed theory. You know, we're not to be conformed. We're not to um, uh, be overcome by evil. We're, to be, we're called to be overcomers. We're to overcome um, that evil. <clears throat> and we can do that by having a transformed mind. Um, this morning, we had communion. We have that once a month. We come here on Sundays once a week. And so here we're renewing our mind once a month when we have communion, when we, once a week when we're here. But um, what we need to do to live a transformed life is to have, be that living sacrifice that we're called to be. We're, we're called to be that every day. And that's in our personal worship time when we um, spend time with God. Um, when we read God's word and allow God to speak to us through his word, and then, we're, and then we pray and we're expressing ourselves back to God. There's another aspect too, and that is that, um, that we need to get dressed. In the morning, we all get up. Unless you work at home, you don't go to work in your pajamas. You, you, you take and um, put on your work clothes, whatever it might be, and you go to, to work. In the same way, spiritually, we need to, um, to get dressed and put on our spiritual armor. And that is putting on the helmet of salvation. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the uh, shoes of peace. And so we're, we're covered from head to toe. And then we can take up the shield of faith, and it's from that shield that when Satan is throwing darts at us, that shield of faith can block those darts. And then it's told us to take up the sword of the Spirit, and the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And with God's Word, we're able to defend ourselves, and we're able also to attack when the time comes. And so we do this. We we read God's word, we pray to God, we put on our spiritual armor every day because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, and world forces in dark places. And so our challenge to you this morning is to live that transformed life. Be that living sacrifice. Renew your mind every day and be an overcomer. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Father, you call us to be a living sacrifice. Um, 
And we do that through our worship of you. We just thank you for that. Also, help us to be able to, to recognize when Satan is coming after us that we wouldn't be conformed to this world, but we'll be transformed. We'll be living and thinking the way that you choose for us to, um, to be thinking. We um, thank you for the thoughts from here, how that we're to bless those that curse us. We're not to return evil for evil, and we're also to um, be uh, overcomers in this life. We thank you for the uh, opportunity we have to come and to um, sing your praises, to worship you. We just thank you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.